0: Hello everybody, welcome back. We are now going to do <clears throat> the Halachas of Cooking on Shabbos, Part 4. So we have learned about the two forms of heating food that Chazal prohibited Erev Shabbos. Number one, leaving uncooked food on an open flame, known as shahia, and wrapping food, wrapping it up, and then placing it on a heat source, known as Hatmana, on a heat source. Then we went on to discuss when it's permitted to place food on the fire on Shabbos, even though it's cold and coming from the fridge, which is known as Chazoral lechatchiva, putting something on a a fire on Shabbos, although it didn't come from the fire. Now, it's only allowed when there's no issue of cooking on Shabbos, such as challah, which is fully baked. It may be placed on top of a crockpot, and we went through the different halachas, it can be placed on a, crack, a hot plate, which is not capable of cooking, All as we discussed last week. Now, let's talk about what about when you take food off the fire, hot plate, or a crock pot, can you put it back on? This is referred to as chazara, putting food back on the fire. There are three ways this could happen, or in other words, three reasons why you would want to do this. Number one, very straightforward. You want to take some chalent or whatever other food it is that you have there, and you want to put it back for the next day for Shabbos day meal. Number two, sometimes you need to add hot water to your chalent. And to do that, you have to either take your chalent off, add the hot water and then put it back on, or take hot water and put it into your chalent one one way or another, as we'll discuss in Mir Hashem. So that also requires you taking something off the fire and putting it back on. Chazara, how do you do that? And number three, Sometimes the fire blows out or electricity goes out, and now you want to put the pot back on someone else's fire. And all these cases have the same rules. How it is that you can do that? So the four conditions are as follows. There are four conditions to be permitted to return food to the fire. Number one, the flame has to be covered. Grufa, it has to have a blech. Number two, the food is still hot and it's fully cooked, which is called Bashel It has to be fully cooked. A hat. Number three, you have not put the pot down. That's referred to as aida biada. It still has to be in your hands. And number four, you intended to put the food back to begin with. It's called daat ta'ylahach. So you had in mind to return it to the fire. So let's take these one by one and understand them. Firstly, the fire has to be covered. You can never return a pot to an uncovered flame. This is called grufa now, it's important to know that the covering doesn't have to have been there from before Shabbos. It's permitted to create a blech on Shabbos as well. For example, if you need to take some chalant out for whatever reason and you want to take out the pot from the crockpot, but the crockpot has no blech or it's on a gas range and you have not put a blech on, it's permitted to use silver foil to line the crockpot after you take it out thereby allowing you to return it to the receptacle, meaning you take out the crackpot, you have someone hold it, and then you take some silver foil, cut silver foil, and uh, you, you line your crackpot, and then you can put it back in. So the, the blech can begin on Shabbos and allow you to put it back on. We have food on the gas range. You can take it off, put on a blech, and return the path to the blech, even on Shabbos. Same goes for a hot plate, which requires a blech. You can create that blech on Shabbos. Of course, if it's the kind of hot plate which one can plate, place food on the because it's not capable of cooking, then no blach is required. However, it's important to know that this heter to return food to the fire, is limited to a gas range, crackpot, or hot plate. One may never return food to inside an oven. Once you remove food from inside an oven, you can't put it back, and a blach doesn't help for this. It only helps for a surface, not for inside. You can't put something inside an oven. You can't do chazar inside to an oven. And while we're on that topic, I wanted to clarify that it's permitted to leave food in the oven from Erev Shabbos and remove it on Shabbos if it's fully cooked. You're not required to remove all the food at once, although some places can require that. Most do not. The only thing you really have to be careful about is that when you open the oven, you don't want to ignite the flame. Ideally, it's best to open the oven when the flame is already on. If you can tell, like when the light is on by older ovens or you can hear it turn on by some ovens, then it's best just wait till that happens and, and, and then open the door. But if you can't tell or you don't want to wait, what you could do is you can open the door and remove the food quickly and then close the door. This way, it's possible to open the door without the fire turning on if you do it quickly. Truly, it's best to test this out during the weekday, like Erev Shabbos, to get a good grasp of how sensitive your oven's thermometer is. If every single time you open it, it turns on within a second time, a second or two, that's not good. But if it takes a, a good few moments, then you know you have about that much time to remove the food and close the oven, and then it's permitted. So that's condition number one. The fire has to be covered, and you can't put it in an oven. Second condition is that the food has to still be hot and fully cooked. If the food has cooled down, both there's a visual problem generally, it's if it's liquidy and even when there's not a visual a, uh, a problem it still can't be considered returning a pot to the fire because it cooled down and we look at it as if you just took it out of the fridge and you're just about to put it on the which is not permitted on a typical fire so the only way that you'd be allowed to take food off and then return it the food still has to be hot and of course it has to be fully cooked third condition is that the pot has to still be in your hand you haven't put it down Now, this is a tricky condition because it's kind of impossible to remove food while you're holding the pat unless it's a small pat. So if it's a larger pat, you really need two hands to hold it. So then, how do you get the food out while you're holding it? So the answer is you either need someone else to help you while you hold the pat. They remove the food. Or you can rest the pat on a counter but never remove at least one hand from the handle and remove the food with the other hand. So you can rest the pat on the counter and then remove the food with, um, with one hand. And this way you have this third condition of uh, having the pat in your hand. The fourth condition is that you have to have had in mind to return the food to the blech when you initially took it off. If you took the food off the blech thinking you won't put it back and then you change your mind and you decide, you know what, let's put it back. Even though it's still in your hand, you can't return it to the block. You need both positive requirements, number one, having in mind to return it and it still being in your hand. Next week, we'll discuss what happens when you, sometimes a person removes food mistakenly. Like this happened when someone thought that the pot they had in the oven was really the soup and they removed it Friday night. And then they realized it was the soup and they would when they took out the soup, they didn't have a mind to put it back because they thought it was soup. Can it be returned? Uh, and then now that it turned out to be challenged, can it be returned and taken, take the soup instead or not? And we'll also discuss next week, Amir Hashem, how to add hot water to a challenge, which seems to be burning. But again, this week what we've learned is that there are four conditions necessary to be able to take food off and then return them to the fire. Number one, it has to be grufa, meaning it has to have a blach. So it has to be covered. Number two, the food has to still be hot and fully cooked in order to allow putting it back. Number three, it has to still be in your hand. You cannot put it down totally. And number four, you have had to have in mind that you plan on returning it to the fire. Pashas Truma tells us how Kalah Yisrael built the Mishkan. Hashem commanded them to build the Mishkan and gave very precise blueprints. For each of the vessels down to the quarter inch and the building, again, every single ama, every single inch is accounted for. Nothing was left up to their own discretion. It was all precisely detailed. Same thing in the base of Mikdash. Now, what was the purpose of the Mishkan? So the Torah says, Mikdash b'seichem, Build me a dwelling place, and I will live among them. Now, simply this means that Hashem's presence, the Shechina, will reside in the Mishkan, which is among monk Israel who was um, in the center of their encampment. But the Svalam explain that it really refers to ourselves. The Socham means within us. The Shechina resides within us. If we build it a Mishkan, a place to reside, all the parts of the Mishkan correlate to different parts of a person. And they are in great detail and precision just as every part of a human being is built with such great precision. If even the slightest proteins are off in a person's DNA, it alters their quality of life and sometimes chas v'shalom, it cripples them. Everything is with such precision, such preciseness, such detail. And the parts of the mishkan and a person, both are symbolic of the dwelling place of Hashem in Shemaim, in heaven as well everything represents something in heaven, and this symbolism, it comes to teach us a very important thing. We as people are no less a holy abode for Hashem than the Beis HaMikdash itself. Just as the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash, they were pure, they were holy, they were extremely precious, and they were valuable. Likewise, if we make our hearts pure, our minds holy, and treat ourselves as something precious and valuable, we become the Mishkan, complete with the Aran, the Shulchan, and the Menorah. Chazal alludes to this in many places. For example, it's well known, Chazal say that in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, the Mizbeach atoned for us. He brought sacrifices on the Mizbeach, Karbanus. But today, a person's table atones for him. That's the source of the famous quote, Shulchan, the a person's table is like a Mizbeach. How does it atone? if a person serves Hashem when he's eating, by making the proper brachas, treating the food with dignity, sharing his food with others, and being thankful to Hashem for feeding us, we elevate the food to the level of a carbon, and our eating is equivalent to sacrifice a carbon. I heard this week a a um, recording of Rabbi Arlovsky speaking, and he made a powerful point. He said that we have probably all heard how all that we do in our homes to take care of our children and to live a Jewish life, serving Hashem, is holy. Washing dishes, changing diapers, sweeping, mopping, cooking, baking, everything we all do is all of Hashem. It's Kedush HaKadoshim. Now a woman asked him, are you seriously telling me that I should feel holy when I'm up to my elbows in dirty dishes? Like, how exactly do you propose I do that? So he said, a beautiful thought, he said, what do you think the Kehanim did in the Beis Amikdash? Let's stop and think a minute. The first thing they did every day, and this is something they fought about, and they had a lottery eventually. Who would be the lucky one to do it? Was removing the ashes from the mezbah, terumah Sadeshan. Now that's equivalent to taking out the garbage. And so much so that the next step, which was called the hotzaah sedashen, when they took out a large amount, it could not be done in big day kahuna. It would get dirty. And they fought over during this service. Now can't we just see our children, our spouses, just fighting over this? waking up early in the morning to be the first one online to have this chus to take out the garbage cans to the curb, right? But that's what the can did. They shechted a carbon and then they had to butcher it. That's right. You know, the thing you see people in the grocery behind the counter, all red, chopping up the meat into parts. That's what they did. And then they took the innards of the animal, you know, the part that's thrown in the garbage, not by a carbon. They had to wash them in a bucket. And I think anybody would choose washing dishes over that any day. They sifted flour for the minachas, and they baked them. And all this was viewed as the supreme honor to be able to perform these services for the Mishkan in the Beis HaMikdash. On busy days in the Beis mikdash, when the floor got covered in blood, they spilled water throughout the room by staffing up a... They had like a little river running through the, to, through the Azara, and it filled the whole room with water. And then they did what's known in Eretz HaShuala as They mapped and they swept, and they cleaned the floor. And this is all with great excitement and devotion. That's the way to Hashem. And it's the same in our homes. If we give it the heart and thought it deserves, if we treat it with holiness, then it elevates us. The Alshach asks, why was Yecheved, Moshe Rabbeinu's mother, it says she was the one to build that teva, that box, that saved Moshe Rabbeinu. She built it, built it. She smeared it with lime, and she put him inside it. She "He says that's not that's not a woman kind of thing. That's the man's job. He, he does the building." So he writes that she knew she had very special hands, the hands that were mishap heres, the hands that beautified all the babies of Chaiyosra that she helped give birth to. She knew that if she would build the ba- box with those hands, it would be a greater schus for Moshe and perhaps save him. Now, I would want to add to the Alshach that we know Jezeved was her real name, but she was called Shifra. Why was she called Shifra? Because she beautified the babies. But if she was called that, if it became her name, and it turned into her nickname, it means it's something she lived for. It wasn't merely something that she did. Think of when we give a nickname to someone that describes what they're really into. You get that nickname when that's your life. And she made it her life to make Jewish babies beautiful. And that's what gave her hands such tremendous holiness. My wife told me that she heard from Reverend Bronstein Zetzal, who was a very famous college teacher and also ran a well-known, girl, well-known girls' camp in the Catskill. She said that the altar once said that if, imagine for a moment, we would get to do trius Mason and everybody in the base of Calaris. They would get another hour to live. Hour, that's it, on the clock. What would they do in that hour? Just imagine how... People would run to do a chesed, to do a mitzvah, whatever mitzvah it was that they dedicated their lives to. They would just grab that opportunity to do another hour of that. After being in Shemaim, they see how important it is, how valuable it is, how much it gives them. And Rev. Simbronstein said, do you know what I would do? She said, I would go home. I would take out a pot. I would put up a soup. And I would feed my whole family and then sit down and play a game with them. And that's someone who, who made mothering her life. And she took great pride in it. And that's what she lived for. And that's how she knew. Were she to be given another moment of life, that's what she would live for as well. It's such a beautiful, beautiful approach. Such a, a Jewish approach. And more than anything else, the Mishkan came to give us perspective. Other religions have all kinds of ideas of how one needs to serve their God. All kinds of self-denial, suffering, and self-inflicting injuries, and all, all different kinds of things like that. And in Judaism, it has no connection to that. Every part of us is holy. Every aspect of ourselves is holy. We represent the base of Mikdash, and we ourselves, our homes, and our own bodies represent a place, a Mishkan, a place where the Shekhinah could reside. And if we treat it as such, it, it gains that level of holiness. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.